0: Well, there are many other questions we'd like to ask you, Peter. But I'd like to ask you one last one. Peter, what about the church being built on you? What about you being the rock? What was that rock? And what is the church built on? Is it on you, Peter, or not? Well, one last time in his epistle. Look at First Peter chapter 2, and verse 7. And I'll start in verse 6 and verse 7 of First Peter 2. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe and for those who disbelieve. The stone with the builders rejected, this became the very... Cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumbled because they are disobedient to the Word. And this is the doom to which they were appointed. You know, this whole starting back up in, in the beginning of chapter 2, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 3, he said, You've tasted the kindness of the Lord, and coming to Him is to a living stone. And coming also as living stones in verse 5. We are built upon Christ, but Christ is the chief cornerstone. Peter never thought of himself as the the foundation of the church. Peter never thought of himself as the one upon which the church is built. In fact, his good friend Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.11 elaborated on this because even in the first century there were people that were thinking they could build their lives on men. And Paul wrote this, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to that very passage in Matthew 16 to wrap up this morning. Because the entire passage we've been looking at in the book of Mark is uh, enlarged upon by Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 16, I want to show you what we've seen from the book of Mark and then conclude with our study. Matthew 16, and starting in verse 13 is what we were reading in In Mark chapter 8 last week and it says Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi and I told you he came there because of the great contrast that was that was a place of pagan worship and Jesus Christ asked him a question he said who do people say that I the son of man am and I discussed with you last week the great confusion that was going on and listen to what they said and they said some say verse 14 John the Baptist Now, that's fascinating that anybody would have thought Jesus was John the Baptist because they were together in the same place at the same time, standing beside each other, and they looked dramatically different. But people are confused, and they've been confused, and there always will be confusion. So some people thought Jesus was John the Baptist. Others thought he was Elijah. That's another fascinating thing. Elijah uh, and John the Baptist ran around wearing interesting uh, Animal skins and living out in in desert regions and they did a lot of phenomenal things and Christ didn't act like that, but some thought he was Elijah. Others thought he was Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But verse 15, who do you say that I am? In the first century, when Christ was on earth, there was religious confusion. And there still is today. And the question still is, who is Jesus Christ? And and what did he start? And and who is the church built on? And and that question still lingers. And so Christ. Sets them up for a real time to make a decision. In verse 16, here's the great statement. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, what was he saying? Well, think in your mind. He was a good Jew, schooled in the Old Testament literature, and he knew that Isaiah 7.14 said that Thou shalt bring forth The virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And he said, you, Jesus Christ, are God with us. He also knew Isaiah had said in chapter 9, verse 6, that the one that was coming to this earth would be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And Peter said right here in verse 16, that's you. You're the anointed one. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the mighty God. It's you. Well, Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, Petras, and upon this rock, Petra, two different words, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Very quickly, let me explain this and and settle in your mind something very important. Let's fast uh, reverse back to last week, and I told you that this place, Caesarea Philippi, which is still a historical spot, is the massive location of the birth of the Jordan River. And as I said, there's a sheer rock face that goes straight up, solid rock, and underneath it, just gushing, comes the Jordan River from Mount Hermon's water. And on that spot, a very enshrined spot with all these pagan uh, temples and one to Caesar and lots of others, Jesus stood... And he asked him who he was and they were looking at all these false gods and they were looking at all the religious confusion and and Peter jumps forward and said, you are the son of God. Now listen to this. Verse verse, uh, 18. I also say to you that you are Peter. Petros. That means in Greek, a little pebble. Petros, Peter. If you were reading the Greek Bible, it would just be P-E-T-R-O-S, Petros. And he said, and upon this rock, And what's amazing is that if you were standing there at that spot, you could see it immediately, that there was this huge, solid rock, 60 feet high, one solid piece of rock, and at the bottom were little tiny pieces, little stones. So there were pebbles and a a mountain. And Jesus said, Peter, you're a pebble. But what you just said is what the church is going to be built on. You said that I am God become human flesh, that I am the everlasting Father invading humanity, that I am the one whose goings forth were from forever, and now I'm here. And he says, upon that massive truth, the church is going to be built. You know, Peter never thought he was the rock. The disciples knew he wasn't, because that was old blundering Peter that was always putting his foot in his mouth. That's old blundering Peter that was always the one that would jump into the raging sea and think. He had a lot of faith, but... He was always going off, as it were, half-cocked. They knew Peter, but they also knew Christ. And Jesus Christ said, Peter, that confession is the one upon which the church will be built, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. And verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean you have to go to Peter to get saved? No. No. We already looked at that last week. Peter got to unlock the door successively. In Acts chapter 2, Peter gave the gospel to the Jews. They'd never received it fully before. In chapter 8, he gave the gospel to the Samaritans. In chapter 10, he gave the gospel to the Gentiles. And after that point, we don't see much of Peter anymore. He did his work. And he diminishes. And James becomes the head of the church of Jerusalem, not Peter. And Paul becomes the apostle to whom all of us are indebted for half the New Testament and the the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, look at verse 22, because I want to show you how quickly this, this magnificent man falls and to show you how unstable he was aside from Jesus Christ. After this monumental confession, Peter took Jesus aside, verse 22, and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Verse 22. What was he rebuking Christ about? Well, the Lord had said in verse 21 that he was going to be killed and raised again the third day. He told him the plan of salvation. You know what Peter said when he heard it? No! That's terrible! You shouldn't die. And look what Christ said to him, verse 23. And he, that's Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Pretty strong rebuke. You're a stumbling block for me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And then what we'll study next week, verse 24 on. Well, we see the contrast, the confusion religiously. We see Peter's great confession, and then we see Christ's condemnation to him. But I ask you one last question before we go. Was Peter the first pope? Was he the founder of the church? Is he the rock that the church is built on? Well, in his own mouth, he said, other foundation can no man lay. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the rock the church is built on. There is salvation, he said, in no one other than Jesus. When people came and fell down on his feet to worship him, he pushed them away. Grabbed them by their coats and says, don't, I'm just a man. When people said, whose name should we pray in? He says, pray in the name of Christ. Talk to God directly. When people said, how are we going to get to heaven? He said, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. What's happened over the years? What always happens? what we see in the newspapers every day, as soon as you move away from the authoritative, changeless word of God and start moving into opinions and traditions and someone thought that someone said and someone thinks that it happened back there, you move away from the truth. And what has basically happened in the history of the church is that the church has historically paid too little attention to the Bible and too much attention to men's thoughts and therefore today has drifted far away from the moorings of the doctrine of the Scripture. I hope that this morning, that when you think of Peter, you think of him as the most crucial of all the disciples when Christ walked on earth. When you think of him, think of the man that that couldn't stand to be anywhere except in the presence of Jesus Christ, that wanted to be with him all the time. But he was a man. He was a sinner, just like you and I. He was a man who needed salvation as much as we do. And he's a man who confessed more clearly than anyone else that Jesus Christ is the rock upon which the church is built, the everlasting Father, God with us. Is that the gospel you believe? That's the gospel Christ taught. And when someone asks you, was Peter the Pope, you have to say, no, the Bible says that he wasn't. The Bible and Peter never thought that Peter was the Pope. But that's not the important question. The important question is, are you trusting in Jesus Christ only? Or Jesus plus Peter? Or Jesus plus the church? Or Jesus plus the saints? Or Jesus plus the sacraments? Because the gospel is Jesus Christ's sacrifice only.